Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7. Come on, a lot of people have been fighting some sickness. Come on, y'all know a few people that might be sick right now. And so our family's been fighting it. We're overcoming it in Jesus' name. And so today we're going to prevail through this. I want to go to Matthew chapter 7. I'm starting a new series today. And I wasn't going to let anything stop me from preaching this. Because I know it's a word for you today. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. They'll have it up on the screen. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Say wise man. Who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. You know what sand is, right? Sand is a bunch of little bitty pieces of rock that just stick together. There's a difference between sand and rock. Rock is solid. Sand is in many pieces. But it's a piece of the rock, and a lot of people try to build their lives off of the pieces of God instead of all of him. Amen? Okay. Verse 27, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's jump to Luke chapter 14. Two Bible verses today, two, two different places. A little reinforcement. Luke 14, verse 28, it says, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? I like that word, finish. Just say finish. Let's, let's finish. Come on, how many of you got some things you need to finish? How many students got some homework you need to finish this weekend? I know, right? Got an assignment you need to finish. Or you finished. He says... Who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person, watch this, who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. They started it, but they couldn't finish it. Today we're going to start a new series over the next three weeks. It's called Built to Last. Built to Last. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone who is here. Thank you for the opportunity to dedicate children to you, families to you, the awesome responsibility we have to lead them, to train them, to raise them in your ways. I pray over the next few moments as we share this word, this will be life given to our lives, our families, and all around us. I pray, God, today that this word will land not just on our ears, but it'll, it'll find root in our heart and produce fruit. Father, I ask for your help to communicate this message today. Father, use me to simply be a vessel, to be a voice to every person here. Give me the strength in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So Cynthia and I, we've had the opportunity to build two homes since we've been married. Uh, and it's a pretty awesome process, and I actually enjoy it. Uh, I've always loved to build things, and I've said it, if I were not a pastor, I would definitely be a builder. I just love it. I love the whole entire process of it. And I can remember 
the process of meeting with the builder. First of all, how many of you ever built a house before? Not bought, but built a house before. A few of you. Okay. It's a process. Okay. And what I know is whenever you're going in to meet with the builder, there are some things that you have in mind that you want to talk about. And so we went in wanting to talk about things like paint colors and cabinets. And you know what the builder wanted to talk about? Concrete. Yeah. Yeah. That's not fun. We wanted to talk about things like flooring. Can I get an amen? Want that wood floor in there. That's what we wanted. No carpets. Wanted the wood floor. We wanted to talk about faucets. What kind of faucet are we going to have in the master bathroom? It's going to be awesome. Can you, you know the feeling? No, 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 no. He wanted to talk about foundation. He wanted to talk about the framing of the home. And it's crazy because that's the part of the home that no one sees. And honestly, most people do not care about. Am I right? Like you, you, didn't, you didn't think as you were decorating your home for fall, you didn't think, I wonder what the foundation is doing these days. You didn't think about the studs or the lamb beams that are spanned across the entire great room. You weren't thinking of none of that. You were just thinking about how can we make this home feel more like fall? How can we put our pumpkin spice up in here? And I still do not know what the craze about pumpkin spice is. It is not that good. And everybody who likes it, you're just trying too hard. I love you, but stop. Stop it, Autumn. It's not that good. It's not. Uh, you know, whenever we see these older homes that have stood the test of time, like have been built for over 100 years, you know those homes that you see from time to time, um, they're, they're pretty impressive. But the reason that they still standing is because they had a great foundation and they had some great framing. Great foundation and some great framing. And the message that I want to speak isn't necessarily about a building to, um, to live in but it's about building the life that you're going to live. There's a difference because a lot of us, we, we live our lives with the hopes of having a great home. And you can have a great home that you live in, but you may not live your best life in that great home. Come on, somebody. You, you can have all of the decorations. You can have your favorite paint color. You can have that light fixture that you've been saving for for months you can have the front door of your dreams with all the wrought iron weavings and all of the, all of the handrails and all of the, 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 the pavers, all of the things that you've always wanted, and all of that stuff is great. And, hey, go get it and invite me over to eat and all that, and we'll have a good time. But, but it's not about the home that you live in. It's the home that you have. It's the home that you are becoming. And so I want to take a little bit of time to talk about building a home, building something that's going to last. Because I think the question that we've got to ask is this, is can you endure the test of time? Like, can your faith endure the test of time? Can your family endure the test of time? Can you make it through the storms? Can you make it through the floods? And in a world that people are breaking down, come on, in a world where we have people breaking down, where families are falling apart, where there are people who once lived as believers, 
but now are deconstructing their faith, we got to ask the question, are we built to last? Like, are you built to last? And how do you know that you are going to make it? And I don't ask this question to, to, to try to scare you. I ask this question for you to really consider what you're made of. Because if we're going to endure, we've got to have a lot more than just quotes. We've got to have a lot more than just songs. We've got to have a lot more than just feelings. We've got to have a foundation and a framing that is going to last the test of time. And so the question I want to ask in this series is, is your faith built to last? Is, is your family built to last? And today, that's what I want to focus on. Today, I want to focus on families that last, families that last. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives us, he's given us a glimpse into who he was. And he's famously known as the Messiah. He's famously known as a teacher. He's famously known as the one who healed the sick and opened the blind eyes and opened the deaf ears. He walked on water, did all of the miracles. And that's one side of Jesus, but there's so much more to Jesus than what we realize, than what we even give him credit for. There's so much more to me than just being a pastor. You know that, right? Come to a ball game with me. You'll see a whole nother side. Trust me, some of you may question my pastoral abilities if you saw me in operation as a parent at a ball game. But it's okay. I'm just representing my family. I love them. I might yell at the riffs. It's all right. They're paid. Anyway. When you look at Jesus, come on, that's an amen right there. All right. Must have a referee in the house. All right. So Jesus, in all of his holiness, was all of these things that we know him for. But did you know Jesus was also a carpenter? Now, when we think carpenter, some of you, you're so Pinterest-driven in your life, you thinking that Jesus is going to build you a little table. And he can do that. He can do that. Or you think he might build a chair for the guest room. And he can do that, too. Okay. But when we, when we look into who he was as a carpenter, we really see that he was a home builder. And, and, and more precise, he was most likely a stonemason. Come on, you ever seen a stonemason before? Their hands are a little bit different. How many of y'all know a stonemason? Come on, Lance, you know a stonemason. Their hands are a little different because they're handling some product. They're handling some things that are heavy. They're putting together something that is meant to last the test of time. And so Jesus, he, he's not just building the chair for you to sit in. He's not just building the table, but he can build a home that can last. Amen. After all, he is building a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's a pretty good sign right there that what Jesus builds, it is going to last. Amen. And so the good news is this, is that you don't have to try to build a life and build a family and build your faith on your own. Many times we get stuck in our own DIY projects because we just don't know how to do that. We know some things, but we don't know all things. Anybody ever got stuck in their DIY project and you had to hire somebody? You know what I'm talking about? You spent more than what you meant to spend. You did a whole lot more cleanup than what you needed to do. 
Because you needed someone who knew how to build. You needed someone that had some experience. And so in Matthew 7, he says that the foundation that you build on determines if what you build will last. The foundation that you're building on is going to determine ultimately if what you're building is going to last. And he gives us a heads up in Matthew chapter 7, and then he also gives us a heads up in Luke chapter 14. And the first heads up that he gives us is whatever is built is going to be tested. Like, you need to know this because some of us, we went in the family thinking that we're going to live happily ever after. And after we got back from the honeymoon, we found out this ain't happily ever after. This is harder than what we thought. Am I right? I'm not putting nothing down in marriage. I love being married. It's great. But you got to do life with somebody. And they like to do things their way. You like to do things your way. You bring that together, you're bound to have fireworks. Amen? Add a kid with his own will and his own ways, and guess what? More fireworks. And sometimes we're just walking around trying to play fire chief. Just don't burn the thing down. Am I right? Come on, somebody. I love it, though. There's a lot of passion in there. But I really believe there's a lot of people who thought that it was never going to be tested. They just thought it was going to be easy. It was going to be like playing with the baby dolls. It was just going to go so smoothly. But when you're building a family, you have to know it's going to be tested. It is going to be tested. If you're building a marriage, it's going to be tested. If you're raising kids, your kids are going to be tested by you as a parent. Nobody wants to amen that one. Listen, you don't know how good of a parent you are yet. You notice the difference? Like if we flipped it and talked about kids... Oh, yeah, everybody would be amen. But, like, when did you think you were that good as a parent the first time you had a kid? You never did it before. You're still learning, and the Lord gave you a child to teach you how to be a parent. That's good preaching with my jacket on today. All right, let's go. Amen. You didn't know you could be a good husband, so the Lord gave you that wife to train you to be a good husband. And you're complaining about him. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Y'all want pretty messages. Y'all want cotton candy messages. No, we're trying to build something that's going to last. And so we got to talk like this. If it's going to be tested, that means you're going to face trials. And I can say that without being negative. I can say that. And how you build, what you're building on, what you're building with, is going to be tested. And every, every family faces testing. Every one of them. All of them. In fact, if you go all the way back to the first family, Adam and Eve, they were tested. They were tested as individuals. They were tested as a couple. They were tested generationally. They were tested. And just because there's a test, it doesn't mean that you have to fail. Doesn't mean that you have to fail, but you do have to be aware there's going to be a test. 
I've done this long enough, and I've been around students long enough to know that a lot of people, they don't like tests. You know what I'm saying? Don't like tests, but tests shows you what you know. They show you what you've learned. They show you what you're capable of and show you really what's going on. They do. I would prefer not to take a test, but if we're going to take a test, I plan to pass it. How about you? And there's no reason to stress about the test. Amen? Because you got a good teacher. But when you don't listen to the teacher, there will be stress for the test. Amen? And this is what's going on in our world because we're not listening to the teacher. We're listening to a bunch of students trying to figure out how to pass the test that the teacher is giving to us. Amen? But whatever is built is going to be tested. But just because there's a test doesn't mean that you have to fail the test. You can pass the test. Amen? You can pass the test. Here's the second heads up that Jesus is trying to give us. He's saying whatever is built will have a cost. It's going to cost you something. If you're going to build a family, if you're going to build a faith, if you're going to build a life that's going to last, it is going to cost you something. It is not free. Amen? It's not free. And to build anything great, there is always a cost. And y'all ready for this line? It's old school, but I got to say it. Pay now or pay later. Either way, you're going to pay. Amen? Can I say that up in here? All right. Just making sure. It will cost time. It will cost energy. It will cost you patience. It will cost you grace. It will cost forgiveness. It will cost learning, endurance, and even more to build a great family. It's going to cost you. It is not free. There are no gimmies. It's going to cost you. But can I tell you, it's worth the cost because family has eternal value. It is worth the cost. Amen? Amen. Think of this. All of the things that we work so hard for will fade away. The possessions will fade away. The home will fade away. The cars, the trips, all of it will fade away. But family is the only thing that you have that will last for all of eternity. It is the only thing you have for all of eternity. And here's what I know. Anything that costs something is worth something. And Jesus has given us this heads up. It's going to be tested. It's going to cost you something. So I want to take a few moments to talk about how to build a family that will last. Amen. How to build a family that will last with these two thoughts being in mind. It's going to be tested. It's going to cost something. And I'm sharing this message today because there are people sitting in this room and in your family, you're being tested. As a spouse, you're being tested. As a child, you're being tested. As a parent, you're being tested. And in the middle of a test, there's a lot of ideas that pop up. I could just look and see what someone else is doing and do what they do. We ain't going to ask you if you cheated on the test in school. We don't need to see all that. But are you listening to the teacher, the cost? Are you willing to pay the cost? Because the one thing that it will cost you is yourself. Amen? 
It will cost you yourself. So how do I build a family that will last? Number one, I got to follow God's plans. Okay? Everything that is built starts with a plan. Not just putting something together here. There has to be a plan. And I'm going to say it like this. God has a vision for your family. God has vision for your, for your family. Okay? But please know this, though that the world has an image for family. And a lot of people are bowing down to the image of family that the world is portraying instead of following the vision and the plan that God has given. That's why it's hard to define family these days. We don't know what family looks like anymore because we're just trying to make it all good. We're trying to make it all right, but there is only one way, and that is God's way. Can I get an amen? And God has a vision for your family, and I believe God wants your family to last. I believe God wants your family to make it. And maybe you're in some struggles right now, but God still wants you to make it. Amen. This isn't time to hit the eject button. This isn't the time to exit. This isn't the time to throw in the towel. This is the time to pass the test. This is the time to pay the cost and say, we're going to last. Amen. Because God has a vision for your family. And many people settle for image because it looks perfect, but it's a cheap imitation of the real thing. Amen? It's a cheap imitation. We can get the real thing because God's plan for family is the best plan. And again, it's been under attack since the beginning. Since the very beginning. But God's plans still stand. Amen? His plans still stand. They last through the adversity. They last through the attacks. Watch this. Before you were born, God had a plan for you. It was a good plan. Amen? And it still stands. You say, well, it ain't looking too good right now. So you're going through a storm, but it's not over. Amen? It still stands. The question is, will you stay standing with him? Or are you going to run? If we're going to last, we've got to stick with him. Psalms 33, 11. I love this verse. It fired me up whenever I read it. I had to put it in here. Psalms 33, 11. The plans of the Lord stand forever. you got to help me with this one. The plans of the Lord stand firm. Forever. That's weak. The plans of the Lord stand firm. Forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Through all generations, we're living with a faith that we hope we can make it. When we should be living with a faith, we're going to make it. The next generation's going to make it. The generation after us is going to make it because God's got a good plan, and I don't have to fall for all the invitations. We can do this for real. Amen? So it's all about God's plans. And watch this. His plan for you is better than what you will ever come up, up with for yourself. And just when you think you got it figured out, you don't have it all figured out. Because God, God will say, hey, let me show you what else I got for you. And you thought he was done. He wasn't done. He was just getting started. You just were one-dimensional in your thinking. Because that's all you ever knew. You didn't, knew that, you didn't know that God saw it all. You just thought he saw only one part of you. His plan for your kids are better than what you ever dreamed. Do you know that God loves your kids more than you do? Mama, God loves your child more than you ever will. And you love them a lot. 
but he loves them more. All the more reason to trust his plan. His plans for your marriage is more than just for you to make it through the kid-raising ages. It's for you to thrive. Amen? It's not over. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a purpose for your marriage. He's got a purpose for your family. And it's not just making it, it's making an impact that's going to last for generations. Amen? And here's his plans. I'll make it simple for you. Salvation. For you and your family to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The husband, the wife, the son, the daughter, the grandkids, the cousins, the aunts, the uncles, all y'all. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, all y'all. Look at your other neighbor and say, you better get saved. His plan is for you to be saved, to know him as your Lord and Savior. His plan is also for you to be a part of a spiritual family. That's the church. Not just go to church, to be a part of the church, actively involved in it. Because we don't just go to church, we are the church. We're family here, amen? We don't just go to church. Lost people go to church. They do. Saved people are the church. We serve, we give, we live, we witness. Amen? We live the life of an example. This is God's plan for your family. It's to save you, for you to be a part of a spiritual family, and for you to serve a kingdom purpose. For your kids, too. Not just for them to make it through school and find a good career that makes a lot of money so that you don't have to worry about them. But yes, make money, kids. Buy your parents a beach house. But know Jesus while you do it. And serve a kingdom purpose. Amen? So the question I ask you is, have you considered God's plan for your life and for your family? Or have you already etched all of your family plans in your ink and forgot that he's the author that should be the one holding the pen? Amen? Can you see your family saved serving God? Can you see your family serving God's purposes? Can you see it? Can you, do you have the vision to see it? Or are you so overwhelmed with the problems that you've been dealing with that you've already looked at other options of what you could do to alleviate the frustrations of what you don't have the patience to deal with yet rather than I'm pressing in to see what God has for my family because God's not finished. What God's brought together, let no man separate. That includes you or your husband or your kids. Amen? Let's do it. Let's bring it together. Let's do this God's way. So the first thing is i got to follow God's plan, but the second thing is here's the next step. I've got to trust God's process. Because we can get motivated and excited about God's vision for our family. Woo! Get fired up. Let's do it. But wait a minute. We got to go home when we leave church. And we got to get in the car and figure out a restaurant with all these crazy opinions in here. And we'll go anywhere. I'll eat anything. Okay, well, let's go to Burger King. I don't like that. You just said I like anything and I'll go anywhere. The process. Amen? The process. The process. This is the hard part because great families don't just happen. They have to be built. 
And there's a process to building things. And I want to tell you what that process is called for us. As believers, for families, it's called sanctification. Touch your neighbor and say, ouch. Sanctification. And sanctification is the process in which we become more like Jesus. More like Jesus than me. More like Jesus than mom and them. Come on. Becoming more like Jesus than the world. It's a process. Think of this, building a home. Those of you who remember the days of building a home. Contractor would come in and would start with a process of breaking the ground. They would begin to lay the foundation. And then they would build the structure. Then they would insulate it, put the roof on, install the power, all the different steps. There's an order to it. There's a process to it. You don't just say, I want a house, and it shows up. It takes time. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes energy. And sometimes we forget that as God is building our house, he's building us. You, you thought the building process ended for you because you had a kid. And now you just got to help build them. No, God's still building you. He's still working on your temper and your patience. He's still working on your kindness and your endurance at 2 in the morning when the child won't sleep. And your kindness towards the child at 2 in the morning when they won't sleep. And they're just a baby and you just want to tell them what is wrong with you, child. I love you, but go to sleep. Amen? It's a process. It's a process of learning how to love, learning how to live together, learning how to forgive, learning how to trust. This is the process that we're in. And sometimes I think when we, we start families, we think all of that is installed and it is in place. That all of the trust is already there. All of the love is already there. All of the patience is already there. And you did something that messed it up. No, 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 no. It's a process that's being built as you live your life, which is why we say at Emerge, you grow as you go. It doesn't just show up. Listen, I know you're good, but you ain't all that. Amen? I mean, I know you had that kid, but you ain't all mama yet. You still got to learn some things. And I know you, you, you've got it figured out how to be a good dad. You ain't never faced a 15-year-old boy in your life. That was your own. And you said a bunch of I would never till you had that boy. And he got his own I will never until he had you as a dad. Can I say this? Or do you want just pretty sermons, chicken soup for the soul about family, and then you get in these situations, and you want to throw things at each other, throw plates, roll out, screaming all over, hold on, my favorite, let me post something online, and we know who you're talking about. Anyway, back to the message. Child Dedication Sunday, I'm wearing a jacket, get in order, Pastor. It's in the process that people get weary. It's in the process that people want to give up and find another way. But while you're in the process, you got to stick to the plan. While you're in the process, you got to stick with the plan because you got to remember the Lord is doing a good work. 
It's a good word when you're working through the disagreement. It's a good word when you're trying to budget. It's a good word when you're trying to raise kids. It's a good word when you got to forgive. It's a good work when you got to say, I'm sorry before they do. It's a good work when you've got to say no. It's a good work. When you're breaking generational curses, it's a good work. When you're breaking generational practices, it's a good work. It's a good work what the Lord is doing. God's process, watch this, is developing the structure and the spirit of your family. It's developing the structure. This is your beliefs. This is your standards. This is your convictions. This is your values. You don't just find it in a book and say, this is for our family. This is something that is developed in you. And you can get somebody else's, but it won't be yours. It's got to be developed in you. You can't borrow this from somebody else. Amen? You've got to develop your own. You're also, the, this process is developing the spirit, the attitude, the culture of your house, the feeling of your house, the flow of your house. And this is what's so interesting. Some people, they focus so much on the structure because you got to have rules. It's my way or the highway. This is how we do it here. And so it's all about rules. And then other people, they focus all on the spirit. It's all about the feeling. I don't feel like it. They didn't feel good. It's all about feelings, but you've got to have both. You've got to have structure and you've got to have a spirit. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in a house without an air conditioner climate control. Amen. I need a little cultural help in my house. I want the AC on, but I also, I'm not just going to put an air condition in an open field because it's going to cost too much. So you've got to have some structure. You've got to also have some spirit in your home. And some people are all thus get spiritual. Yes, get spiritual, but put some structure in it. Some yes and no's as for me and my house. But don't just go all structural because it's going to be hot in your house. And people don't like each other when it's hot in your house. Got to have some spirit. Amen. So you've got to have both. Amen. So watch this. A family with a good godly structure and a right spirit is a home that is in order. 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 Amen. This is what I know. Families are all over the place. All over the place. And it's because they lack order. Kids are running the house. A four-year-old deciding what the family is going to do. I'm all about being empathetic. And I will have empathy on you. But you're not running my house as a four-year-old or a 14-year-old. Amen? Mom and dad, I want to say this to you. God has entrusted you to lead your family. To lead your family. And I know you're worried about how they feel. And that's part of the spiritual side of it. But how do you expect to take them anywhere if you can't lay out steps for them to go somewhere? And it's going to take structure. It's going to take some, I'm going to use the word, authority. Amen? It's going to take, I'm not talking about overbearing authority. I'm just talking about the kind of uh, authority where your kid can know there's some confidence in this house. 
Amen? Some confidence in our house. Because it does something whenever you can translate confidence to your kids. It helps them to take steps that they were one time afraid to take because they were more spirit. They were more feeling. Amen? But now they've seen some authority that helps them to realize I may not have the feelings, but I got a father and I got a mama. And they have ta- they've taken some steps that will lead me to take some steps. Amen? And that's order. That's order. And we've got to get order back in our home. And in order for there to be order in our homes, we've got to trust God and we've got to obey God. And there's not a lot of trusting and obeying God. It's following kids instead of following Jesus. It's following feelings and going on this trip and doing all of that. No wonder the home is out of order. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Take the jacket off, Pastor Wade, and preach something nice. Let's go. This is what I know. It takes grace in the process. It takes grace to raise some kids. It takes showing grace to have a good marriage. That's a word from God for somebody in here right now because you want to tell them how it is. You need to stop. And show some grace. Here's why. Because we're not there yet. But we're on our way. Can I get an amen from somebody? I ain't there yet, but hold on. We're coming. Here's the third thing. Let's get, let's get, let's get to the good part, Pastor Wayne. Number three, you've got to remember God's promises. God's promise. And this is what God promised us, the Holy Spirit. Thank God he gave us the Holy Spirit because this is what I've learned. This is hard. This is hard. Having a great family is not easy. Can I get an amen from somebody? Oh, we doing it, but it ain't easy. Come on, kids. Being a good kid for their crazy parents, it ain't easy. Can I get an amen? Come on, shake your hand. Get a little Pentecostal up in Put your hand down. We'll do with you when we get home. Bring some order back to my house. You're not helping me here. Mm. Did you know that God gave us the Holy Spirit? As a guarantee. Come on. He gave us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of all that he's promised. So when you read your refrigerator verse that you got plastered on your wall. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. How do you know that's going to happen? The Holy Spirit. That's how. It's the Holy Spirit. And I can't understand why someone would try to do this without the helper, the Holy Spirit. If you're going to have the right spirit in your house, being nice isn't going to be enough. But please be nice. The Holy Spirit is the key to a godly culture in your home. Amen? And the question is this, are we inviting the Holy Spirit in our home? Or is it just your spirit that's dominating the house? Are, are, we, are we making room for the spirit of God in our home? Or is it just this is how we do it? 
Because if we're going to be a family that lasts, we need to take advantage of all that God's given us to help us make it last. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes into play. And we all need the Holy Spirit. Come on, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. Amen? Some of y'all, you about to go to lunch. You better bring the Holy Ghost with you. And that's just to get a parking spot. Because you're liable, watch this, and I want you to hear me. You're liable to say something you didn't need to say. And it's one thing to say it to that waitress. It's another thing to say it to your wife. It's another thing when you say it to your son. It's another thing when you say it to your mama. But this is where the Holy Spirit will stop you before you do something crazy. Amen? And some of you thinking, mm, Holy Spirit should have stopped him. We need God's help, and God's given us the promise of the Holy Spirit. Do you know there are thousands of promises of God in the Bible? Thousands. So here's, here's where we're at. When you're in the process, it's easy to forget about the promise because that's where you're dealing with it. But can I tell you, that's where you need the promise. That's where you need the Holy Spirit because your frustration and it's hard to control it. Amen. Your mouth, it's hard to control it sometimes because you got a lot of opinions. Hey, y'all, look, I know where I'm from. It's easy for that to come out. You know what I'm saying? We Cajun. It shows up. You better thank the Lord the Holy Spirit helps this brother. And Cynthia's nodding her head too. She's like, you better. So watch this. We must stand on the promises of God as we follow his plan and as we walk through the process and the promise is what gives us hope because here's what I've learned about the Holy Spirit a person filled with the Holy Spirit isn't better than somebody else they're just better than what they are themselves that's what the Holy Spirit will help you do be better than who you are yourself the Holy Spirit will make you a better husband will make you a better wife will make you a better child, make you a better man, a better woman. Can I get an amen? amen? The Holy Spirit will make you better. And this is why we must invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and not just see it as, oh, a one and done. No, 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 every day. Turn on your air conditioner one time this summer and turn it off the rest. We turn it on. There's a constant flow into our home. Today, I wanted to share this message because... I wanted to remind you that God's got a plan for your family. He's got a plan for you. But I also wanted to help you to see that there is a process to it. But don't forget the promise. You might be in the process, but don't give up. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Don't give up. Don't give up on that marriage. You say, Pastor Wade, I'm not even married. Don't give up on the day on the person that God has for you. Don't give up. You can still get something from this message too. Don't give up on your walk with God. Get back to God's plans. Get back to God's purpose. 
so thankful for what God's done in my family, but can I tell you, God's not finished with my family. We're still in the process. Cynthia and I have been married 27 years, still learning, still forgiving, still loving, still saying I'm sorry. Yeah. God's still building us. We endured some things. But I can tell you this. What's gotten us this far has been a relationship with God. What's gotten us this far is living with some godly standards and convictions. We say no to some things, y'all. We say no to some shows that come on TV. We say no to some things that we know is not going to help our family be what we need to be. We say yes to some things that might be a little bit hard. What's gotten us this far is saying I'm sorry. It's forgiving each other. Even when you don't feel like it, when you want to turn it around and say, you see, you were wrong. Ah, forgiveness. Being planted in God's house. Again, this isn't about going to church. This is about being the church. There's been people that God put around us that's been great examples. If you're going to be a family that's going to last, I believe these are the ingredients. So maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. This is where it begins. Maybe you do have a church background. But it's become so routine to you that it's become more of your leverage in an argument than it has been the way that you live your life. Maybe your scripture, instead of it being life-giving for you, it's more to prove others wrong. Perhaps the spirit of your home has become hostile because it's my way, it's his way, it's their way, instead of it being God's way. Today is the day to surrender to God's plan. Today is the day to trust God in this process. And today is the day to say, God, I need your spirit. Father, in this room today, I pray over every person that's a part of a family. Every son, every daughter, every mom, every dad, every husband, and every wife. I pray today that their relationship with you will be the forefront of every single thing in their life. I pray, Father, that as believers, we will truly seek you first instead of just fitting you in. I pray that we will build our lives on the foundation of Scripture instead of the opinions of the world. I pray that we will walk in the vision and the plans that you have rather than falling for the imitation of the world. Father, I pray for families that last, for men and women of God in this place. Come on, I want you to stand to your feet this morning. I'm praying for men and women of God to rise up as believers in you to rise up in their rightful place as sons and daughters in your kingdom. I pray that we will walk in the grace and the forgiveness that you give, but I pray we will also walk in the authority that you give us as your sons and daughters, to have authority over sin, to have authority over the enemy. 
I pray today, Father, that you will strengthen families with confidence that comes from a relationship with you, our Father. I ask you to heal the family, to mend relationships between husbands and wives, to mend relationships between parents and children. God, I ask you to unite and bring families together, strong, built to last in the name of Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to lift a hand. Come on, anyone in here today, you say, I'm not where I need to be with God. You're far from God today, but today you sense the Holy Spirit saying it's time to come home. It's time to be anyone else. Tons of hands have already gone up. Anyone else? I want to lead you in this prayer together as a congregation. Say, dear God, thank you for loving me and sending your son Jesus to die on the cross to take my place and pay the price for my sins. Today, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I give you all of me, and I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. I make this decision. I will follow your ways. I will live my life your way. I ask you to change me, making me a new person. I'm all yours in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together. New beginnings, fresh starts.